This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's show of Jackets Debrief. Uh, I am excited for what we're looking at here. Uh, it's going to be <clears throat> a little different now. We're getting into some more off-season episodes as far as what we're seeing, what we're discussing. Um, the A lot of the dust seems to have settled around free agency, although there's still some big names out there, which we're going to get to that later in the show here. A um, little mixing it up here a little bit. Uh, we're going to start off this week with discussing with uh with the beer of the week um i think it's quickly becoming one of my favorite parts of the show i think a lot of people are uh are enjoying it if not <clears throat> i do so i and i had to look up the pronunciation on this brewer it's a german one it is chauffeur ahoffa hefeweizen grapefruit beer so there you see it it's in a 12 ounce bottle or 11.2 ounces specifically um, this bad boy is 3.2 out 3.2% alcohol by volume. So definitely a lighter one. If that's where you want to go. Um, essentially how they, uh, describe it there. The world's first Hefeweizen grapefruit beer. The description on the bottle of it is that Schoffenhofer grapefruit is the unique combination of sparkling smooth a uh, hefeweizen with grapefruit juice, a refreshing, well-rounded taste with tangy character and hints of sweetness that's pleasing to the palate. Tastes best ice cold and right from the bottle. Well, we're going to pour it. We're going to see how that goes uh, as far as a pour goes with these. See what kind of scent we're getting off the bad boy. As soon as I can open it. Yeah, as soon as the bottle's open, there's that grapefruit. My goodness, takes me back to my grandma's kitchen when she would just eat half a grapefruit for breakfast in the morning. So let's see what we got here. Now, because it is a Hefweizen mixed with the grapefruit, I'm not expecting a lot of head on this thing, which we're not getting there. Uh, if you're seeing the video version of the show, you can see it here. Just very light head. Um, very much just that pure grapefruit uh, scent right off the beer. So that's <clears throat> that's nice. Let's see how this tastes here. Let me give this another one here. it's it's almost just like grapefruit juice with a touch of of a uh touch of beer in it. it it's fine i wouldn't necessarily call it beer i mean maybe there's beer in it so that's where they're going with but it's good i will drink it and i will enjoy it on their website they mention things about oh have it with this or you know kind of have it as a you know how to mix it into cocktails and stuff and that's really where you'd go with this. Um, it's nice. I, I don't, again, <laughs> if somebody handed me this and told me it was a beer, I don't know if I would believe them. So that's, that's my take on it. Um, 
let you know, guys, you'll be able to see my my little review of it. I type up. I'm going to start putting more of these on Untapped, which is a nice little uh, app where you can share beers. It's on there as Jackets Debrief. So if anyone wants to be friends on that or chat beer or anything like that, I am definitely happy to do so. That is a uh, yeah. That is a uh, interesting beer there. I, I'm very interesting beer there. So. Um, what we're going to do at this point, um, I'm going to get a uh, word in from our, uh, well, somebody else on our podcast network here, then we'll come back and we'll do a deep dive on to kind of where the CBJ stand at this point in this point of the off season. Oh, hi there. Pleased to meet you. My name is Tom Franklin, one half of the Blue Notes podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. We've got that 2019 Stanley Cup power too sweet to be sour. We're also your home for the best blues analysis. Yes, it's it's a it's a Bruin, but he, he's he's going to help the power play, and and that's what people need to understand. And you know they're going to look at it and say, oh well, Justin Falk was supposed to help the power play as well. Tory Krug is legitimately going to help the power play. It felt like Newport was ready to go into this offseason and use Petrangelo as an example and say, okay, we're going to play chicken here with with uh, with the COVID cap here. Someone is going to give Petrangelo his money. We also have great guests from here at home. St. Louis Post-Dispatch, St. Louis Blues beat writer Jim Thomas, the organist for the St. Louis Blues, Jeremy Boyer, and around the world. Yo, Blues fans, it's Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, all the way from the Netherlands. And no other podcast can say they have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent, but we do. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, and this is my Aloha Commentary. Plus, a little self-deprecating humor thrown in there. One of our new Blue Note selfie-level COVID mask, if I can turn it the right way there so I can properly sell it. I am, I, you know what, I am failing my prices Right model audition right here. This is, this is terrible. He has opted for the uh, neck gator uh, version of this, and I'm still failing my prices right off this fuck it um, <laughs> voted the best podcast by our peers in the hockey podcast network follow tom and wags on facebook twitter and instagram at blue notes pod and be sure to subscribe to blue notes wherever you get your podcast from this is tom franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle All right, so jumping from that, uh, yeah, check out our friends there, Blue Notes and the Hockey Podcast Network. Jumping into that, I want to look at a uh, article that was written by our friend Mark Sheeg over with the Hockey Writers, where he discussed, um, you know, maybe the, this idea that the Blue Jackets still need a scoring winger. Now, I, I'm not sure I'm fully on board with that just as of yet. Um, letting you know also if you're listening to the show live or watching it on Facebook, Twitter. All of that. If you respond to the uh, the original post of it, I'll be able to see the comments, and we can that way you can ask questions over the air, all that good stuff. But um, where again, I'm not 100 percent sold that we def- necessarily need to add another scoring winger, but I can definitely see the appeal at this point and wanting to go in that direction with it. Um, so he kind of goes into who's there, who would you still maybe want, and and in his breakdown. 
Mike Hoffman is one of the guys who's been discussed a lot around the Blue Jackets recently. And I, Mike Hoffman is, he's a good player. I mean, he's going to score goals. I just don't know. I mean, if that's what we really, obviously we need scoring, scoring, more scoring help there. I just don't know if Mike Hoffman's the way to go with it. And there was a rumor that he was looking at maybe just doing a one-year deal somewhere. Um, the rumor, the, the story right now is that he is looking for over $6 million a season. Is that a move the Blue Jackets want to make? Because when you look at the Blue Jackets cap, right now they've got 14, or right now they've got 12.9 in space. So if he asks for six, that leaves you with six left. Now, obviously, you could use Dubinsky's um, uh, status in there to try and lower that that amount, um, to try and, and simplify that a little bit there. But I wouldn't be... I, I don't know if I'm jumping right into him. I mean, if it's six million one year, I think I might do it. But I don't want to sign up for one of these wingers long term. Michael Grandlin is the next one he mentioned. Michael Grandland I find more interesting. I think this is a player, even though he's a little older, who you might try and figure out a way to, to bring in long term a little bit. Um I mean he's I'm not sure if he's a player yet that is. I'm just not sold on any of these wingers at this point. I mean, he's got Michael Grandlin listed. uh, And then he mentions what he says, the best of the rest there. Galchenyuk, Athanasiu, Dominic Cahoon. I don't know. Um, Because the last option he mentions is is patience is best. And that would kind of be my view right now. Something we've talked about for a long time is every year, the Blue Jackets are the youngest team in the league or one of the youngest teams in the league. And when are we going to be done with that? And I think we need to be there now. Uh, I think we've got enough of the talent that we need, that we need is just develop into what it needs to be. Um, Cause I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I don't know if there's any player that I want to go out and sign long-term that I don't just want to give those minutes to to Texier to be on the right to be on the left wing, or honestly, if I can move up, if I can move up my, uh, I, I personally would love to see Liam Foodie on on maybe a top six role for a while, because something I did this week is I was looking at it and as I was trying to decide, okay, where are the Blue Jackets at in free agency, where are they at, what do they still need to do, was projecting lines. And I was on Twitter doing this, uh, doing this exercise. And then when I put out my first idea and I'm like, oh yeah, maybe this will be the way to go. Someone pointed out to me that I did not include either Nick Foligno or Boone Jenner, which uh, (laughs) is a bit of an oversight on my part, I will admit, but I think it's my view of, I want to take all this young talent we have and just get them out there, get them out there playing. So uh, I'm going to share this on screen for those of you watching. Again, if you're listening on the show, if you're listening to the show, we'll make sure you're still there too. Um, but this is the this is a tool uh, that was developed by one um, Jay Fresh. Uh, essentially, it's a called a he calls it the War Roster Generator. Essentially, what you can do is you can put in players, put them where they would line up, and it gives you their WAR number. Which, if you're not familiar with WAR, 
That's an acronym that stands for wins above replacement. It's kind of a combination of a bunch of different statistics as far as like expected goals for uh, a lot of those things to try and get an idea of how much better a player is than if you just put in the league average player. So if you're seeing a guy who's listed at like negative one or something, that means he is going to be worth one less win than if you just had an average NHL player in there. So when I put this together, my top line left to right is Texier, Dubois, Bjorkstrand. Those guys are some of our top guys. Um, then second line, Nyquist, Domi, Atkinson. This line I have questions about and I'm not 100% sure on. I, when I'm doing this projection out there on it, it is kind of a combination of, do I say Nyquist, Domi? Do I say Nyquist in that second line because I actually think he should be on the second line? Or am I saying that... Um. Or am I saying that because I I think that's where the team's going to put him? Because I'm fairly confident they're going to put him there. Uh, that they're going to put him at... I'm fairly confident that, that uh, Torts is going to put Nyquist on that second line. That's just... I don't see a way around that, even though I think there would be better uses for Nyquist on that line there, um, or better, better way, better players to use in those, in those situations. In my mind. So third line, Jenner, Koivu, Felino. This is in my mind, kind of the perfect grouping of third line players, because what you're getting there with Jenner, uh, Jenner, Felino, Jenner, Koivu, Felino, it's kind of these rougher guys who can make a skilled play if they need to, but play really good defense. Um, Jenner's great on the four check. Going back through the li- uh, fourth line, um, left to right, Foodie, Nash, Bemstrom. So so going back through the lines a little bit here, because I don't think I covered it well enough first time through. The reason Texier, Dubois, Bjorkstrand is that top line is those guys all are dangerous and can score. Um, Texier and Dubois have that gritty sandpaper it factor or whatever it is that we talk about from time to time. So I am really confident for those three on that top line because Texier, during the playoffs this year, the way the way he played with Dubois, I want those two staying together. They are both guys who are going to annoy other teams but can create offensive opportunity. And Bjorkstrand is that incredible shot Bjorkstrand a year with those two guys on the other side would be incredible. I would love to see it. Now, Gustav Nyquist, the second line. And the reason Nyquist is one of my biggest question marks. I think the team wants to put him there. And, and the truth is Nyquist didn't really get a chance to play on that much of a skilled line this year. I think most of the year he was ended up, with Jenner as his center. I think I think when I looked at some of the numbers, I think Jenner was his most common line mate, one of them he was out there with. And it was Jenner playing center. When you look at Nyquist's career, last year, it, when you look at these overall stats like war and stuff, last year was one of his worst years. And and I think that's because he was play he was playing with some of the worst center play he's played with in, in his whole career. I'm not saying Boone Jenner's a bad player. What I'm saying is he's not a great center. And when you have a guy who was used to playing 
you know, top six minutes with with some decent centers in, in Detroit. Again, not great ones, but pretty good ones. Uh, going down to Boo Jenner is quite a drop. So if you put him where Max Domi is making plays to him, which that's what Domi's great at being a playmaker, and then on the right side, you've got Cam Atkinson, that second line can be really good. Um, I mean, it definitely could be. And then that third line of Foodie, Nash, and Bemstrom, the reason I'm going that way is I want Foodie on the ice. The guy's got too much skill and speed. Bemstrom, he's got that shot. He's going to be better. In the, in the war roster generator right now, he's listed as negative 0.5, meaning he's worse than a given replacement. I think he just had a bad first year. I think that's kind of universally thought of as a lot of what he did. So that's that's my take on where we'd go with that second with those those four lines. Defensive pairings, pretty straightforward. First pair, le- again, all these are left to right. Wierenski Jones, second pair, Gavrikov Savard, Gavrikov Savard, third pair, Kook and Peak. That's not even a question. Those are all pretty straightforward. Um, I think some people might argue on the Peak one, might say Harrington or something else. I don't see it. I think Peak is a pretty good player. I, I think Peak is one of those guys that they plan on having around in Columbus for a long time. So that's who I would definitely be for in these types of situations. Uh, and who I would be going with here. So that's, that would be my take on it at this point, as far as where you'd line guys up uh, and go from there. And then at goal, I would give Elvis the majority um, of those. I would give I would put Elvis as your number one. That doesn't mean he gets the majority of starts. I mean, it means he gets the majority. It doesn't mean he has a vast majority though. It's not like he's going to play, uh, you know, 70 games and, and Corpus Allo is going to get, you know, 20 or whatever, or 12, if it's 70 for <laughs> 70 for Elvis. I really see it being something where it's probably like a, whoever's the number one guy is going to get between 45 to 50 starts. And the other one's going to get between 32 to 37. I, I don't think it's going to be that big a difference. Honestly, they may even just try and go 50, 50 uh, last year. I know there was a talk for a while that we talked about doing, you know, oh, maybe they should go like two, two by two, two by two, two by two, and just each guy get two at a time. It wouldn't shock me if that's how they started this year. If they, if they still start the year with both goalies, which I think they will at this point, uh, once we got much into free agency and started seeing guys get signed, I was pretty confident that we, we will have both goalies on the roster until at least the trade deadline. Maybe we trade one of them then, but I, I don't know. I, at this point, what you're getting for a goalie is just not worth it in my mind. So I, I wouldn't make that move right away there. So that would be that would be where I would stand on the situation. Next thing I want to talk about, and this is uh, kind of a kind of a cool one here. Actually, let's do this. Let's take the break, uh, and then we'll come right back, and we will do uh, the next couple of stories we got here. There's there's one I'm super excited to talk about. So be right back here with you in about uh, a minute. We just finished a really exciting season of hockey here in Columbus, and the future is bright with all these awesome young players, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Alexander Texier, Liam Foodie, Elvis Merz-Lincolns. But now you've got a new problem. How do you get jerseys for these guys? Well, we've got you hooked up. CoolHockey.com slash THPN. And since CoolHockey.com doesn't outsource jerseys for customization like competitors, they're able to offer the best deals, best quality, and pricing and time on your delivery. So remember, when you need a new jersey, CoolHockey.com slash THPN 
for our exclusive discount there. Remember to use the discount code THPN, coolhockey.com slash THPN. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Um, so the next thing I wanted to hit on here is this. It came out this week. The uh, The owner of the Golden Knights was doing an interview on radio and let something slip that I don't think the league wanted him to slip, which they asked him about uh, the Golden Knights trading uh, Schmidt to Vancouver. And there was a question about, oh, you know, what's it going to be like when you play him this year and all that? And he all handedly said, well, you know, he'll probably be in the Canadian division, which this has been a rumor that's been going around for a while now that because of COVID and because there are all of these uh, travel restrictions to the United States and Canada and the NHL is in a unique spot. It's not like baseball where there's one team in Canada and they just have to find somewhere else to live for a season. You've got seven Canadian teams. Uh, So what do you do? And there was discussion about the idea of, hey, what if you just did a whole division of Canadian teams? Because we have a division now that's seven teams, so just let that be the Canadian one, and then we'll go from there. And and it sounds like that's becoming much more of a potential here uh, this coming season. So this is a map that was drawn up. I want to say it was the Barstool guys who did it originally, but I don't know. I saw it on Twitter, so we're just going to talk about it and show it. Uh, So for those of you, again, listening, here's what the divisions would look like. You know, I said this beer wasn't really a beer. That might be shifting a little bit. I I do think it's pretty, it's good. It's the kind of thing that if it was like two o'clock in the afternoon on a hot summer day and you're like, man, I want a beer, but yeah, I definitely don't want something heavy. that's going to sit on my stomach. This might do, this would do the job. So it's it's growing on me the more I drink it. And you could drink a lot of it. It's not a heavy beer at all. It's super light. Anyway, uh, the Canadian Division, which they've labeled the Northern Division. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal. So pretty straight, simple, pretty straightforward. It's the Canadian teams. This is where things get interesting. The Western Division. San Jose. L.A., Anaheim, Vegas, Phoenix, or Arizona, I guess, Colorado, Dallas, and Minnesota. What they call the Southern Division, maybe I would call it the Central, I don't know. Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, and your Columbus Blue Jackets. And then in the East... We get the remaining teams, Buffalo, uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, New York, for both New Yorks, obviously, and Boston. This idea is is really interesting to me. The idea of doing something like this for one season. Um, I'm... I, I think it's a really interesting idea and has so many possibilities. Now I saw somebody uh, earlier this week commented uh, when I shared this on Twitter saying for the blue jackets, it would be like putting the regular season on easy mode. I would slightly dispute that um, because I do think that uh, 
Carolina's, I mean, obviously these, some of these teams are really wet good. I looked at just points percentage for this season. Obviously last season, points percentage, the Blue Jackets finished sixth out of eighth, six out of eight teams. If the Blue Jackets were in this division, this weird new central, again, refreshing your mind here, Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, Carolina, Tampa, and Florida. Um, if every team kept the same winning percentage next season, the Blue Jackets would finish fourth. Now, obviously, that nobody's going to keep this exact same winning percentage, but it gives you an idea of what kind of quality we're looking at here uh, as far as teams go. Uh, I mean, the top two teams are, are teams that would have better winning percentages than what what had happened, what the Blue Jacks were dealing with, because you'd have St. Louis and Tampa to deal with. But then the bottom teams, you're starting to see a drop in quality there. Because the bottom two in the Metro this year were the Rangers and the, and the Devils. The bottom two in what this division would be is Chicago and Detroit. Now, Detroit is significantly better. I would say Chicago's probably worse next year than they were this year. But that's that's the viewpoint I've got on that, and that it's it, it'd be really interesting to see it happen. Um, if you're going to do it, I don't mind these divisions. I'm okay with it. I, I I get where for a lot of Blue Jacks fans the idea of not getting you know your the rivalry games with Pittsburgh isn't fun. I mean we probably still play Pittsburgh. Uh, the big division to think of here is that there would not be a lot of cross border travel, and that would be a big part of it. You kind of wonder if the team. You kind of wonder if you would see like those Canadian teams, like if there would be a period of time where they would come down to the States and play and, and like they would spend like all the Canadian teams would spend like a month down here playing games. And then they'd go back to, they'd go back to, uh, go back to Canada. They would do their, their week or two weeks of isolation and then go back into playing their season. I don't know. You could do something like that if you really needed to have uh, play cross borders. I think you would have a weird situation if you didn't do that. Now, again, if anybody's just joining us, if you're watching on the live stream, this is all conjecture at this point. Nobody knows this is going to happen. But you could do some crazy things. Um, I think the reason you would really want to have the Canadian teams play the teams down in America is if the Canadian teams all only play each other and then say, you know, the top four make the playoffs or whatever. Whereas in uh, America, all of these teams are playing each other. Then you may not, then, then it would feel weird. It would feel like a weird asterisk season for the Canadian teams because uh, the American teams would be playing this far greater scope of competition. Again, if anybody has questions out there, you can feel free to post them in the uh, to the Facebook comments or on Twitter, and I'll be able to see them and we can chat about it here. But, but I, I would think you wouldn't want to do that. Now, there are theories out there that the NHL is looking at doing what baseball did this year. If you're not familiar with what baseball did, they essentially said, okay, well, each league has three divisions, an East, a Central, and a West. All the East teams will only play East teams. All the West teams will only play West teams. All the Central teams will only play Central teams. And that will be across the leagues. So the NL Central and the AL Central all played games against each other. You could almost see the NHL just saying, you know what? Each division will play a 82 game or 72 game or whatever game it is season against each other. 
which would be nuts. <laughs> I don't think it's a, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. Again, at this point, everything is just an idea. Nothing is going to be perfect. Nothing is going to be exactly what you want, but you could do that in theory. But can you imagine playing an, an 80 game season against just seven other teams? That would be incredibly strange. Uh, it would, it would, again, that would also probably throw some things out the record books and you'd probably have some weird uh, asterisk type things added onto each season there. So it's just without there. Now we're probably going to end up definitely chatting about it more as the season continues, but it'll be uh it'll be an interesting go from there. Last story tonight is about how the NHL will cash in on new TV ratings, uh, despite the, or t- cash in on a new TV deal, despite the 2020 ratings decline. So there's been a lot of graphs going around online about how every league seems to have lower ratings this this right now, especially with their COVID return. First of all, let's be entirely clear. That's to be expected. All of these sports at once and a lot of them out of season, it makes total sense that their their times are off. Uh, people made a big deal about the Stanley Cup final being low. Yeah, when was the last time the Stanley Cup final was going up against Monday night football or Sunday night football? And it was, I think, at the Ravens were playing somebody. I think it was a, it was a big game. So it just it, it, this is a weird year to still look at ratings this year and be like, oh well, no, nobody cares about sports anymore. No, that's ridiculous. Uh, if anything, the networks are realizing how much they like having live programming. That is not something that can just be streamed later and have the same experience. So you will be seeing from everything we're hearing, there's going to be a bidding war uh, for the NHL's TV rights. And I am really enjoying what I'm seeing. Most of what I'm talking about right now, I saw an article on The Athletic uh, written by Mr. Bill Shea. And there's some things in it that I really like. Uh, Apparently, the NHL is very much wanting for their next U.S. TV deal to be two different networks, which I think is the right thing to do to grow the sport. You want multiple networks covering you. You want multiple networks talking about you. We've beat that to death on this this show. The idea that's mentioned in this that's really interesting to me is the idea that Turner, so like TNT, uh, might be interested. What he mentions at one point, ESPN, Fox Sports, and Turner Sports are reportedly interested in getting a share of the NHL's TV and streaming business. Turner would be so much fun. Turner does a really good job of making fun studio shows. They bring kind of a different take to what they're doing. Um, It would be very different. I would be very interested in seeing Turner jump in to the NHL streaming game, uh, right? Or the NHL TV deal right now. I mean, NBA between their inside the NBA show with, with Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal that everybody loves and their MLB show, which uh, Alex Rodriguez really does a good job with. I could see them doing an NHL show and it being great. Their coverage of the NHL. I still believe you want to get on ESPN. If I'm the NHL, I'm almost trying to see if you can split this three ways. Because uh, I think NBC really wants to keep you because you are kind of the centerpiece for NBC in a lot of ways. Uh, Turner would be cool. But man, you you really want to get into that daily grind on ESPN in my mind. Because ESPN, I know a lot of people you know don't watch as much cable anymore, which I get. I don't watch that much TV during the day. But you want to be in that in that kind of that constant ESPN car wash during your season of... 
hey, we talk about your uh, some games or some players two or three times on first take or on get up or on the radio shows or on the podcasts or on sports center or on. I mean, the thing is, you you know, a lot of people probably don't watch much in the way of it, but people share the crap out of what Stephen A. Smith says on Twitter. People, if there's a cool moment in something, and ESPN puts it out, it goes viral quickly. Um, and that's what you're really looking to do is find those moments. Find, you know, and, and ESPN has that reach that nobody else does. So I, that's why still, if it was me and I'm turning between choosing between Turner and ESPN, I'm going back to ESPN because I got to be part of the car wash. Got to be part of that daily grind of ESPN just makes all the content. And I get it. We all hate the word content, but let's be real. That's what's going on here. So anyway, guys, uh, thank you very much for joining the show. Uh, it was a fun one this week. We've got some interesting things going on here. Uh, but hey, thank you very much, guys. I'll see you next time and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening. 